0: Hey, pull up a chair. We're so glad to have you join us here on the Back Porch Education Podcast. For the next half hour or so, we're going to talk about all things educational. It's a wonderful day to learn something. Glad you could join us. Good evening, good
1: morning, good afternoon. We're back with another episode. Steve, guess what I have today? Uh, Did you bring a puppy with you? No, no puppies. So I have a, I have a story. A story. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Does it have a poem in it? poetry though. I I was (laughs) going to (laughs) say.
1: So here's the deal. Um, I like Robert Frost as almost everyone knows. And, uh, Frost has a poem called our doom to bloom. Like sort of a subscript of that is, uh, The the first line is shine perishing republic, Robinson Jeffers. So by reading Frost, I find out about this guy named Robinson Jeffers, and that he has a poem called shine perishing republic. (laughs) Well, we're talking about the republic today um, for our episode. And so I hunt down one of my poetry books and there it is. It says shine republic, Robinson Jeffers. And so I open it up expecting to find that poem. But it's a different poem. So apparently this guy, Robinson Jeffers, wrote two different ones, Shine Republic and Shine Perishing Republic. (laughs) But I only know about them from Frost. Well, there you go. So even when it's not Frost, it's Frost, right? So, okay, here goes. This is a good one. Shine Republic. The quality of these trees, green height, Of the sky, shining, of water, a clear flow, of the rock, hardness, and reticence, each is noble in its quality. The love of freedom has been the quality of Western man. There is a stubborn torch that flames from marathon to concord, its dangerous beauty binding three ages into one time. The waves of barbarism and civilization have eclipsed, but have never quenched it. For the Greeks, the love of beauty. For Rome, of ruling. And for the present age, the passionate love of discovery. But in one noble passion, we are one. And Washington, Luther, Tacitus, Aeschylus, one kind of man. And you, America, that passion made you. You were not born to prosperity. You were born to love freedom. You did not say in mass. You said independence. But we cannot have all the luxuries and freedom also. Freedom Mm. is poor and laborious. That torch is not safe but hungry, and often requires blood for its fuel. You will tame it against it burned too clearly. You will hood it like a kept hawk. You will perch it on the wrist of Caesar. But keep the tradition. Conserve the forms, the observances. Keep the spot sore. Be great. Carve deep your heel marks. The states of the next age will no doubt remember you and edge their love of freedom with contempt of luxury.
0: What'd you think, Steve? So I get why you chose it. Uh it it brings the Greeks clearly into mind. Um but it's um you know it evokes a lot of images all at once. Yeah. And which is what a poem's supposed to do. And um I like it I like I like the attachment of tradition to freedom cuz I, I get a I get a student with a promise that we're going to read anything more than about 10 years old uh, something written more than 10 years ago mm-hmm. and and there's this rising gorge within them of of the, well that's that's old ah. and um so I teach a course in which we we yeah. read throughout Western history, and, and we read Plato, we read a portion of the Republic, and before they start reading it, the, the concern is that this dude is so old, he's not going to have anything I can understand, or, or or even worse, anything I can use, uh, that he's just not going to connect with, mm. you know, he doesn't have a smartphone, Mr. Elliot, so... Um, I'm excited for our conversation today because I have never once uh, I've, I've always challenged students Well jump in and see if you can't at the end of Plato convince me that he's had nothing to say to you, uh, I'll consider because often this is a, a practical conversation about what we really ought to be reading in this class, Mr. Elliot. And it certainly isn't these old dudes. we need to be reading the people on the edge, right people that are thinking the new thoughts of the moment. And, um, and I just, myself. I I get what yeah. you're talking about. Um, if, if Plato doesn't do it for you, um, let's talk about it because I'll, A, be shocked to be, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll consider the wisdom of what you're saying to me. If you can demonstrate that wisdom, if you could show sure. me. Sure. Yeah. We, we gave it a fair reading and it's just, it's, it's just old and moldy and, and of no use to us anymore. Mm-hmm. So I I like the poem because it's saying you're here, but there's a lot of back there to be used here.
1: Yeah. How did he say it? Jeffers said um, in one noble passion, we are one, right? Like the the love of freedom has been the quality of Western man. Um, Yeah. Jeffers is really interested in tying the present to the past and, and using that um, like as a mirror. Uh, and, and I think if we choose not to do that, it's, it's to our own detriment, right. That in, and philosophy, um, is kind of paramount. Well, maybe theology. Um, and then philosophy, you know, is, is huge in terms of understanding the present by understanding the past.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think the, there is certainly a lot that we appreciate in our present-day circumstances. We benefit from the external eye. The eye of science, the physical eye of observation, mm-hmm. has over time produced for us a lot of comfort, a lot of labor-saving devices, a lot of ways to prolong life. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, We can travel this world so much more easily than Plato could. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but very early on in, uh, well, it's not really early in the Republic, but, but book seven of the Republic, Plato just sort of outs with it and gives us this great quote comparing the outer eye and the inner eye. He says, in every man there is an eye of the soul, which is more precious far than 10,000 bodily eyes for by it alone is truth seen. Mm. And w- when you get the guy, the modern, to say, well, I'm only going to believe it if I can see it with my eyes, and he he may or may not be talking about his two physical eyes, but often he means you've got to prove it to me in the laboratory through uh, scientific observation, and everything else is off the table. Right. Plato says, yeah, th- your eyes are good. He's not promoting blindness here. <laughs> right. He's just saying there's something 10,000 times better, and that's the eye of your mind or your soul or your inner eye. Mm-hmm. That alone is able to discern this thing we call truth. Your outer eye can deceive you, does deceive you on a regular basis, Sure, plays tricks on you. That inner eye, if it's properly trained, is really sensitive to the truth Yeah, and, and won't be fooled. By quote unquote optical illusions, right? So, um,
1: man, I'm I'm heading straight to the Sermon on the Mount from there, right? Um, Where where Christ says um, the eye is the lamp of the body, and so oh man, I can't just quote it, you know, extemporaneously here, but, but essentially, if the if the eye now, let's see. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Yep. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. If if you, everyone has an inner eye, we're calling it, right? Um, the, maybe we can undress it a little bit and say the soul's perception of truth. But everybody's soul is making truth claims and talking about, well, telling themselves a story about how the world is. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't training that eye, it's still making decisions, but it's, it's tyrannical. I mean, it's chaotic, messed up. You know,
0: Plato, Plato loves analogies and his great teacher Socrates, whom he's taken the voice of and, and, you know, in all his dialogues, he's, he's, Plato doesn't speak. It's, it's Socrates that's, that's putting this forth, even though I think some of the things that he has Socrates say, Socrates probably didn't say, (laughs) but um, uh, in education, this is so vital to what we're, you know, if we're trying to cultivate wisdom and virtue, right. Seminal to that enterprise is some notion of what (laughs) is wise and virtuous. What is the truth? Mm -hmm. And, and and how do we get there is that is it is it a scientific method right everyone practicing exactly the same formula with their five senses to derive. i mean there are people that believe that that, that ethics is a problem of science but i'm i'm not one of those i think that there's a a much bigger life of the soul and if you try and uh answer the questions of the soul with the, with the eyes or even just with rationality alone, you're a blind man grabbing a hold of an elephant thinking you understand the whole when you only got a part of
1: it. Yeah. Well, if you keep talking about faith and reason, I'm going to dive deep into Kierkegaard. We're never going to get out. So let's take a break <laughs> and we'll come okay. back and jump into The Republic.
0: Hey, during this brief break, I wanted to encourage you to use the share buttons we have on our website in order to help us get folks tuned into the show. Our goal is to encourage as many educators, homeschoolers, NFL punters, and donut makers as we can with these podcasts. So help us get the word out. Share our Facebook page. Send folks a link to one of your favorite episodes. Do whatever you can to help us share this craziness with either your best friends or, if it's more appropriate, your worst enemies. We will love you all the more for sharing our love. Thanks. And now back to the show. We could wander around in the pool of Plato for quite a while. Let's, let's see if we can't get a little direction to this. Um, okay, good idea. The, when people ask me, uh, as somebody who's been teaching for a while, what are some great books to read about teaching? I almost always suggest The Republic.
1: Mm. Do you almost always get an eye roll
0: too? Sure. Uh, okay. E- right. Either because they don't want to get philosophical, what they're looking for is a book of methodologies. <laughs> and, Ooh, okay. and, I, and I put a finger up when they say that. I think they'll, I, <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 <laughs> Steve. I think you'll find. Oh, your pointer finger. Your pointer uh, finger. Uh, a a oh, pause okay. finger, not a middle <laughs> finger. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got to remember that this is not a visual medium. <laughs> You can't see me with my Jesus pointer up in the air there. Um, But hold on a moment because I think you'll find Plato does provide methodological help. We talk a lot in education about Socratic teaching. Plato's kind of the dude for that. So it's not wrong to come to to the Republic or any of his other writings looking at how he educates. I think that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. But... Mm But then the other eye roll is often because they, they just have never tried it. So they, they the the experience isn't there and they have this preconceived notion that it's going to be dry or old or harsh or somehow sure. not fit.
1: Well, and let's acknowledge that it is kind of weird, right? That and not only that, it's a long book. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot a little, to it. Uh so you know, it's not it's not ice cream. Like it it's work getting through it and for an
0: educator we need to exercise ourselves in these kinds of things because we get so efficient i've got x y and z material that needs to be covered i've got uh x number of days to do that uh divide and conquer you know i got to cover this today and if and if i don't get through it all we got to figure out a way then to exactly we're so rushed we're so slaves to the to the clock and and a, a whole episode for us, I'm sure, would be why are we doing the hundred and eighty days and why are we on a agrarian calendar and and so on and so forth, But I know where that normally winds up is people just don't want to lose their summer vacation right. uh, but anyway, uh but we're in that, and so it puts us in this in this Sorry. uh intense fire hose kind of form of teaching and and Plato's just not about that. Socrates just is not Socratic teaching doesn't allow you to be in a hurry you're gonna you're gonna ask a question and give time for it to develop give time right. for it to, to be thought about uh, take several possible answers weigh them carefully work through which one's the best answer which mm-hmm. ones can be dismissed maybe there's more than one sufficient answer and now we got to figure out where we're going to go with that and then, and then inevitably, right, the next thing is, so what's the next question? Yeah. Never, a philosophical question is never going to be answered, and that that's really inefficient. <laughs> it's really tough to say, okay, we've covered this, now let's take the test. So uh, what I love about Plato is the dialogue format, two people talking to each other. It's almost like a podcast. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> The, the, that, that Socrates pretty quickly starts using analogies and right. he hangs on them and really for, for a teacher who's coming to the Republic not because they want necessarily the big question, what is a just society? Though, if cultivation of wisdom and virtue is your goal in education, justice sort of seems to be important there. Mm-hmm. Um but, but if, if you're not coming to it for the content, there's still a methodological uh advance being made here. Plato is putting before us a way of two minds coming to understanding that is that is much different than what we might call the the lecture mode. Okay. Um he occasionally feels yes. like he's given a little bit of a lecture, but but most of the time it's just an investigation of an important question. Right and my students are uncomfortable with that seniors more comfortable than than freshmen but but our educational system seems to breed a kind of student that wants to know what the answer is the answer mm-hmm. that's going to be on the test right. and, and so when you open up a class with a with a with a what is a just society what would it look like and there's this silence this uncomfortable dead air that mm. That all Americans hate to hear, right? uh, Or, or not hear. Um, Maybe a few people mumble something, but they just at some point the frustrated students just 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 tell tell us what it is you're looking for, right? What What's the answer, Mr. Elliott? And then I blow their minds and go, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I asked a real question. (laughs) I got ideas. Yeah. Um, This isn't about Mr. Elliott's definition of a just society. You're the you're the students. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a student with you, but but let's really put this out there. And and so Plato demonstrates for us, I think, a, a real question that we don't know the answer to demands that we find something we already know that we can compare it with.
1: Right, and it demands a a sort of um, equality, right, or, or maybe not equality, but a mutual respect. I mean, my my students always responded really well um, to me saying when I would say this to them. And, and I think it's because I meant it. Um, but, but I would say, Hey, um, I, I respect you enough to ask you questions that I don't know the answer to. And I think that you can help me find these answers. And I think I can help you find these answers. Like we're, we're better together. So this isn't, this isn't a parlor trick. This isn't a game. I'm serious. Well, it's fun, but it's not a, it's not a trick. I'm serious. It's not a parlor trick.
0: It's not a parlor trick, and it's not a job, right? Where you don't get paid until we get the right answer, right? Right. Uh, when you ask, "What does a just society look like?" which is which is what the republic is about. Uh, you know, you've kind of talked about the fact. Well, what's a what's a just man like? Well, let's let's put a bunch of people together and see what are just side. That might give us more to talk about, a better way to handle the thing. But it, almost immediately you find Plato jumping into analogies. Right. Jesus does this. Yes. He does. What's, what's the kingdom of God like? Well, it's like <laughs> right. a mustard seed, a lost coin, a lost sheep, a lost son, <laughs> the man. Or how about from earlier? The eye of the body is the
1: light
0: or the eye is the lamp of the body. Right. Yeah. And, and Paul follows along, you know, what if the whole body were an eye? Mm-hmm. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. What if it were an ear? <laughs> Could it the ear then say to the eye, I have no need of you? You know, mm-hmm. so it would, of course, wax eloquent. But anyway, um, <laughs> you made me promise before we started this, no bad humor, and I just broke it up. Um, hey, that's okay. All right. Um, so, but... But there's something here for the teacher that, that you know, if you walk over to the switch on the wall and turn the lights out and say, you know, what what, what can you see? Uh, and, and, you know, you get them past the yeah. uh part to where they start naming some things they can see <laughs> because it's still dim in there. And you flip the lights back on now. It, 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 you're teaching with an analogy. Sure. It's the light. And interestingly enough, this is – why we got here to begin with Plato loves this analogy when talking about what's going to be necessary to lead people to a just society. They're going to have to know true truth. And if falsity is going to screw things up big time in a, in a, in a city. Mm. So they've got to be able to find the truth and he says it's it's they got to be able to find the light and live in the real light of yeah. truth not in fake light while this show is a back porch discussion it does cost a little bit of money so if you're liking what you hear consider helping us out you can simply use the donation button on the website to send along a one time gift or we have subscriber plans for those who want to commit to regular support subscribers can get premium rewards depending on how nice a chair you pull up on the porch we have everywhere from sitting on the floor to our finest rocking chair available but whatever you can do know that it helps us keep the conversation going and for that we heartily thank you the the cave analogy is fascinating to me because he anticipates or he knows because he's done this that the very people that he's talking to most of them are still chained up in the cave. And what he describes as somebody who's come out into the bright light of the truth, of course, gets excited and wants to run back in the cave and tell everybody else, Hey, it's really cool out here. Come on out. And they're like, no, no, leave me alone. I'm fine. This is real. Freedom is found right. and we don't have to do anything in here. And, uh, you know, just that alone is Incredibly informative uh, from my point of view in what's going on in education today is—is is we're content to let them just sit there and scrape off the cave wall what we throw up against the wall and put it on a test, and they're educated,
1: right? And and they are, yeah, they're informed. They're uh, free. Well, that's what we would say, right? That they're to to stick with the analogy that they're free. They're not chained up.
0: But it's like, no, they are. Yeah, they, they're very much chained up still. <laughs> they think they're free, Uh-oh. but they're not. And that's uh, – yeah. the people that are reading the book are probably not even realizing that they're being described mm. until they think about
1: Man, it. Man, I'm, I'm having a hard time staying away from Kierkegaard. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what he – that. okay, well, it, that's his thing, right, is, is the self-deception that we have. Yeah. Um, but okay, this is not the Kierkegaard episode, so I'm (laughs) going to back away from that way. Um, but I, I do want to say though, concerning, uh, Plato and the Republic and, um, why it's worth reading. There are a lot of reasons, but one in particular that I, I think deserves, um, you know, naming is that. Plato is showing us in the Republic Socratic instruction. Like it's a fantastic example of the way that Socrates as a teacher leads his students through a problem. It's a different way of teaching than the information delivery lecture model. Right. And it's really, really important and really good for that reason. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say, I just forgot all of a
0: yeah. sudden. Yeah. Well, it,
1: what was I going to say?
0: Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. That, and that's, that's fascinating to me uh, that we want to make, we've said this before, we want to make teaching a science. So there's steps. And if you'll just name off the steps, then I'll follow them. And surely there's a recipe. We I, th- I think people think of lesson plans as recipes. What are the ingredients?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you say we want to, you mean modern education yeah, the, the, wants those to.
0: Those of us living in this day and time when utility is, is yeah, so yeah, important yeah. to education, practical outcome is what we that it's so much easier to catch it from somebody. The, mm. Oh, that reminds
1: me. Sorry, the, go ahead. The best thing they ever did
0: to me in teachers college is make me go observe good teachers. And and Mm-hmm. I benefited from the theory classes, and we even had, quote-unquote, methods classes where they would assign to each of us various pedagogical methods that we then had to come display to the rest of the class. That's sort of what we're talking about. But what you're saying is the, the mm-hmm. republic itself is a lesson in teaching lessons, not in its outline, but in its manner, if you if you watch Socrates question these people and respond to their answers, you're getting a look into a master teacher's classroom and how he deals yep. with with trying to get that eye of the soul to see. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. The other part of that is in the Republic. You're also seeing the brilliance of Plato uh, because he paints his his teacher Socrates in the best possible light. Um, If you read um, anything by Xenophon, um, who was sort of the other disciple of Socrates that wrote about him, uh, he has a couple books. It's not that important, but in his um, dialogues, it's interesting to see uh, the way that Socrates talks because he's clearly doing the same thing. But Xenophon also um, shows Socrates sort of like getting caught in his own questions, right? Like, uh, or yeah. or even uh, perhaps worse or better, whatever, it's funny, uh, is when one of his students will go, oh, no, Socrates, I know what you're trying to do. You're going to ask me to say this so that when I say it, you can do this, but that's not going to work. And then the dialogue's just over. Right, like oh well, that one didn't work. Right. So,
0: so Plato is is a is a great example for college and high school teachers. Xenophon's more for for the for the middle school teachers.
1: Yeah, well, I use Xenophon <laughs> in middle school because man, learning about failure was really helpful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and they're going to try and get you. They're going to try and zing you. <laughs> right. They're going to try and call you out, especially in the world of Google. Uh, if they have any right. technology available to them, they're over there. Google and everything you see, see, you know, fact-checking yeah. you, uh, and, I, and of course, I'm perfectly happy to let them know that that Google is often wrong. Uh, Definitely, I'm not, but but Google is. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, we're we're taking a work that's that's legitimate for a couple of different reasons, right? It's worthy to read it. Uh, if nothing else, here in America, it's a great. Um, Salve to the to the strong beliefs we have about democracy. Uh, True that. Plato's (laughs) Plato's not a (laughs) uh, Plato's not real big on the whole democracy thing uh, as a Greek. Interestingly enough, sure, Um, because he's seen its problems and he acknowledges them. But but in trying to get to the answer, we're watching him try and get there, right. How does he get there? And so these three analogies to me would be a great uh study in pedagogical uh analogy. Uh because he's he's the, mm-hmm. the sun is pretty obvious, that's his point. Are you familiar it's, with you don't the have sun? to ask somebody you, <laughs> you know what the sun is, right? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe next week we'll go out and look at it so that you um I want to make sure everybody's on the same page or that that's the sun. Uh, And we're not living in some Star Wars world where there's two suns. And so then we get confused. Um, Mm -hmm. In our world, we have one sun and it is the light. And we'll break that open a little bit. But that, that question, what is truth? What should be taught? to someone trying to make a just society. The response is truth. What is the truth? Mm-hmm. And he comes up with this analogy. Well, there's the sun. Uh, is is a controversial sure. point these days that there's just one truth. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, but then almost immediately, well, how do we know the truth? And he does, I love the fact that he doesn't go to Madison Avenue and sell us a short little Uh, jingle that convinces us, well, the truth is, you know, (laughs) he says, that's a very tricky question. Uh, There's all kinds of truths and there's all kinds of positions we have with the truth. And there's some things that we can really know that we know it fully. Mm -hmm. And there's some stuff we'll never be able to know. And we won't even know that we don't know it. (laughs) It's so far beyond our knowing. That's the that's the divided line thing going on there, uh, but but in particular the cave's going to take a little time because for any educator, okay, if you've convinced me that I that it's worth teaching because the sun does exist, and not everything can be taught the same way because the divided line tells us such.
1: How? Oh, yeah.
0: What do I do? And 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 the cave analogy is great for that. Um, we got some work ahead of us. Um, I will do my best with the with the website to provide some some graphic illustrations of these analogies. Uh, but Jason and I are going to do our best to present these in the coming uh, episodes as uh, stunningly <laughs> adjectivally brilliant um, as we can, so that you can see it with your mind's eye. Uh, at least as clearly as we see it. And we know we don't see it as clearly as we ought to, but by talking about it, hopefully we'll.
1: Yeah. And if you guys want to read ahead to try to kind of get a grasp on it before hearing the episode uh, book seven, like Steve said at the beginning is where you're going to find those, I think book seven and eight. Um, And so uh, hop on that, you know, read a little bit of the Republic and, We'll talk to you next time
0: well thanks again for joining us in this great conversation about education we hope you will not just listen but participate leave us a comment suggestion or thought on our website you just never know when we'll use it on the show until next time pursue joy and learn something